On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. Recognize that we are the experts of our own experience and nobody can prescribe your journey. You are the expert, so own it. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your, your hosts, hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, lady, today we have a very special guest with such an inspiring, interesting, and impactful background that I'm hesitant to even try to encapsulate this person with the bio. So here's what I'll say. Gerald Garth currently serves as the executive director of the Ahmad Institute, which stands for Arming Minorities Against Addiction and Disease. This institute provides programs and services to the LGBTQ communities of color in South Los Angeles with a focus on HIV prevention and treatment, re-entry, and recovery support. Gerald is also the president at LA Pride and has had a transformative impact on the lives he's touched. There is so much more that we could say because Gerald has done all the things. So we're just going to jump on in. Gerald, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. We are so happy to have you here. If there's anything that you want to highlight from your bio, because you are just, your bio is just bomb. Let us know and we can jump into this conversation. No, I think that was great. And again, so glad to be here, Terry, Dr. Dom, and looking forward to some great conversation today. All right. Well, we will start with our quote of the day. And Gerald, this quote will sound familiar to you because you have this quote on your social media. So the quote comes to us from Dr. Cornell West. Yes. And Gerald, you're shaking your head because you already know. Yes. I believe so, yes. <laughs> our quote of the day, you cannot lead our people if you don't love our people. Absolutely. And I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back, make sure you hear this. You cannot lead our people if you don't love our people. Absolutely. So, Gerald, tell us, you know, why this quote is so important to you. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Dom. And like you said, that quote has guided my life for Many years, I could say at this point, I mean, so much of what I've been graced to do has really been centered in that space of love. And so, fun fact, before I moved into this space of public service, I actually was an accountant and worked in corporate accounting for seven, almost eight years and really wanted to look at how do I realign my skills and strengths in a way that was much more aligned with my values and really making much more impactful work. And so, recognizing that there was so much opportunity for us to show up. I thought like, you know, I'm not a fill in the blank like other people, but I had what I had and I was able to bring that to the space. And so, you know, to your question, being able to lead with love, you know, that only, not only centers authenticity, but invites other people to do the same. That is so powerful already. Okay, yes. okay. <laughs> Gerald, preaching. No, no, preaching. So, Gerald, we have so much that we want to ask you about, but can we just start from the beginning? Can you tell us about your origin story and the journey that led you to become 
the Gerald Garth that we see today. Yes. And I'm always just like, what does that mean? You know, but, know. yeah, but again, <laughs> so grateful. So I'll, I'll, I'll give us the, the Cliff Notes version, okay. or, or the trailer version. So I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I'm a Southern man. Born and okay, raised. Louisiana. Yes. See you. <laughs> yeah. So my Southern roots certainly do still guide everything that I do. But yeah, I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, moved to Los Angeles on the cusp of my 30th birthday. And so, like I mentioned, worked in studied accounting. I was in that space. And as do many when they're approaching 30, I was like, you know, I got to make this count. I got to make this work. And so was always a writer. Also, I say writing was, you know, a hobby or just something to sort of do, but recognize that I had much more of a expanding gift in writing. And so, you know, I was a playwright and a journalist, which I still am. And, you know, published author, all these different things that like was censuring words. And so told myself, well, you know, if I don't, if I don't give this next burden of myself a chance, you know, when will it happen? And so approaching 30, decided to come to Los Angeles just to, just to explore, you know, this is for many years where the industry lived. And so I came to LA, not really with the plan, but knowing that, you know, to catch big fish, you got to be in big waters. So came here, still sort of working as an accountant, but moving some of my projects around also recognized pretty quickly again that I did not want to be an accountant. But what it forced me to do was look at, well, again, how am I able to pull the virtues from the work that I do and translate them in a way that really served me. And so I moved into nonprofit leadership about well over 10 years ago, again, in finance and fund development. I've always had a passion to sort of help things to grow. And so, you know, I'm a man of faith and I've always been connected to church in that way. And so, you know, my faith has been a big part of what led the work also. And so redirected my energy and efforts into nonprofit leadership, but also still writing. And so was able to do a number of great projects. And then I realized too, just with that expanded work that it wasn't so much an actor or a writer that spoke to me so much as being an impactful storyteller. Mm. And so that gave me sort of permission to move into the space of, of wordsmithing that I did not really know before. And so once I kind of dropped the boundaries and barriers of being an actor or being a screenwriter, it really allowed me to move into this space of advocacy in a way that's really served me. So uh, yeah, over the last 10 years, I've really seen different versions of that. And I say it's almost been like connecting the dots, you know, kind of having these journeys and these versions of myself that in isolation might not tell a story, but when you can weave it through with these connected dots, it really, uh, really encapsulates the man that I am today. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I- Listen, I am here for this connecting the dots and pursuing the things that like that bring you joy. Yes. That's so major. You are now the executive director of the Ahmad Institute. Yes. So can you tell us more about one, the organization itself and its mission, but then also how your role, how, what you bring to your role, right? Cause you said, you know, connecting the dots of all the various experiences you've had. How are you connecting those dots in your role? Sure. That's a, a great question. So really excited to be serving in this role as executive director of Ahmad, our founder, Dr. Carl Hyshaw has become a great friend in the movement and in the work. So I certainly do celebrate him. And yeah, so exactly that looking at again, my own experience of recognizing that we are multifaceted individuals that have all of these different layers and levels really framing and leading the organization and the work that we do in this same framework of whole person care. And so, you know, for so long, there have been elements of social services that say, I'm only going to look at the one thing you brought to us. So if you come in for food, we're going to give you food. We don't care about anything else. If you're coming for some version of, you know, a screening, we're going to give you that. And so recognizing that that has not served us, and more specifically, in Black communities, you know, when we look at the history of what our experience has been with healthcare, with healthcare systems, with stigma, with relationship with healthcare providers, it takes a great deal of intentionality on how we engage and retain us into, into care. And I'm really big on this too, is looking at how we centering culturally affirming approaches. So, you know, one phrase that we use in our organization often is unapologetically Black. And so... You know, I so love much it. of yes, yeah, so much of our work looks at, of course, the metrics and the data and the charts, but also 
elements that are key to us as pop culture. You know, we talk about natural hair and fried chicken and good time in a way that allows us to show up in the space, you know, coming out of corporate, that was just a, that was a level of navigation that just didn't allow us to show up uh, in a way that was really celebratory. And so like having an organization that centers the culture as a value is, is really, really key. So to your question, Dr. Dom, around connecting the dots, it's really in this role as executive director is really shaping and building a framework that allows folks to do that too. Even in my creative space, I re- recognize that so much of what my contribution is is being able to create spaces for folks to show up. And so Ahmad is certainly that as well. Hey, lady, it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real, and we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us. So tell us what you think about this. Imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the Cultivating Her Space podcast and share your business, brand, or perspective with millions around the globe. Imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded Black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with Terry and I. Now I want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel and throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. We launched this podcast in 2019 and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform all while working full time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you uplevel your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon, and we highly highly encourage you to join the sister frontier so that you can get some one-on-one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis if that meets your needs. Again, herspacepodcast.com and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady. We'll hop right back into the conversation. It's so powerful. And it was the the whole person care for me. Yes. That was the, I'm like, it's like you said, people try to just kind of put you in the, like they only want to support one aspect, but it's like, right. well, I'm a whole person. So yeah. speaking of whole person care and being multifaceted, we want to shift up the energy a little bit. We want to shift it up. We want to shift it up <laughs> a little, little, little something, something. Right. So because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman in person, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie and classy and ratchet, and you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose. Yes. Gerald, we want to invite you to the OU Blatchett segment. So do you okay. take on the challenge? I just, as a man who represents the bougie and the ratchet, I I'm go out. out. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we got yeah. him, Dom. We yeah. got him. So, Gerald, now that you've agreed, we're going to tell you what to expect now. Okay. So we're going to ask you three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions and then... We have three photos pulled up of you that we okay. found online. Okay. And oh, wow. Let me, just, let me just tell you real quick. These photos bad. Okay. okay. They had some bad I trust, photos. I trust y'all. They don't know what I mean, you pulled them from. So Okay. Bad in a good way. Let me just say that. So <laughs> we got these three photos pulled up. And what we'll do is we'll have you choose a number out of one and three. And then we'll reveal one of those photos. And we want you to tell us in the audience more context about the photo that we wouldn't know just by looking at it. Okay. So... We're going to start off with the questions and we're going to send to this segment. We're going to make it a little easy. The first question is, what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? Mm, That's a great question. I so often cite my grandmothers as my greatest inspiration. I always hold space for what I say, the divine feminine in my life. And those two women, my mom's dad, my mom's mom and my dad's mom have just been my my guiding forces. And so if I could narrow it down to one, which is so hard, but I'll, I'll do one. My maternal grand, my paternal grandmother, my 
she always would tell me, remember who you are. Very simple, but I believe the most profound messages come with often the fewest words. And so she was a hardworking woman who made a little bit go a long way and stood in the first face of adversity in a time in which it was not celebrated the way it is now. And so, yeah, I will cite Miss Annie Mae Garth and that tidbit that has allowed me to show up in the world to this day. Yeah. I love that. The wisdom of grandmothers. Oh, yes. Yes. It's just that, you know, she's long since transition, but just the spirit of her and how she's able to show up in my life, I will always revere. Yes, that's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Yes. I don't know how Grandma will feel about this next question, but we just all don't dare. Grandma was out for us, so, so I think she'll, she'll okay, prove. Okay, Plus she'll, she'll prove. All yes, right, well, there. depends on which one you do, how you answer this question. That's true, too. All right. So I have four words for you. Okay. Twerk mm-hmm. or two step? Mm. Twerk. Hey. All right. You know, two step, you're going to be so coordinated. You got to figure it out. But twerk, you can just let loose and Back. let it happen. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. So our next question for you, Gerald, is what's the sexiest item you own? Mm, sexiest item I own. I'm really big in like going with like what comes to you right away, go with the gut. I would say my mind. Yes. Good answer. Yes. You know, I can bring a lot of other stuff into the picture too, but like we can start there. And I think that allows access to everything else. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Get the mind first and then. Yeah, then the menu menu availables. There we go. All right. So now we're going to move on to the sentence completion. Yes. One topic or question I wished people asked me about more often is... Hmm. I would say the version of Gerald outside of the one that they know. Oh. Yeah. I think a lot of times people see me as like, this is the same gentleman and you know, you've done all these things, but you know, you talk about connecting the dots. There have been a lot of dots that Gerald connected that have informed how I'm able to show up too. So yeah, I had a season of ratchet, a season of trap, a season of hood. Like, you know, all of that, you know, baked into like this current version. So yeah, I even invite people to recognize too. It's like, well, you know, we're all whole people. And so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you're so smart. You're so this. I know. Like, I was like, I just, I live longer than you. Okay. <laughs> You're from Baton Rouge, so we already know. I'm from we Baton Rouge, from the projects in Baton Rouge, too. So it's like... Oh, so we really know. <laughs> <laughs> up and down, up and down. That's what we say. <laughs> Thanks so funny, Gerald. Because the next sentence completion that we have is the most transformative dots that I've connected mm. as it relates to the other versions of Gerald that I want to share with you are... Oh, Wow. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, so much of it is allowing your whole self to show up in the world. So, you know, I mentioned being from the from the hood of Baton Rouge, but I was a violinist. I played the violin all through middle school through college. And, you know, I was from the trap, but, you know, I'm a staunch believer in God. And, you know, there's all these things that society will tell us, like, you know, you just got to pick one very limited version of yourself and that's it. I mean, even as you play, they say you can be bougie. And ratchet, like mm-hmm. giving ourselves permission to show up in the world as whole people is certainly part of the dots that have been able to connect. So powerful. We appreciate yes. you for sharing that. Yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So our final sentence completion. What I love most about myself is. Mm. What I love most about myself is. Gosh, going with going with the gut, I'd say my vulnerability. Mm. Yeah, it took me a long time to get there. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of struggle. But so much of what's been able to allow me to invite others into the world and into the space, into their own versions of authenticity has been telling myself the truth in a way that serves others. Oh, I love that. Telling myself the truth. Not even talking about everybody else. Telling myself the truth. Yeah, and you know, as Black people and Black men more specifically, there have not been a lot of 
opportunities or invitations for us to be vulnerable, whatever yeah. that translates as. Yes. And so it does yeah. take a great deal of courage first to lean into vulnerability. And so, you know, it could be two-sided in that way. Maybe it's courage to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. but in either way, the outcome is vulnerability. Yes, amen to that. Yes. And now transitioning into the last segment here. So yes. we got these three photos. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued about these photos. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, okay, we may, at the end, we may have to show you all three because they're just bomb. But first, okay. we'll, focus, we'll focus on the star photo. So, Gerald, number out of one and three, which number will you go with? I'm going with three. Oh, okay. This is, this is fire. Okay, so... Before I show the picture, Gerald, there are going to be some people that are only tuning into the audio. So can you describe the photo first and then give us the context behind the photo that we wouldn't know by looking at it? Y'all, wait till you see this photo on Patreon. This photo is so fire to me. I love this photo. (laughs) This is fire, okay? Yeah. I felt like this one's going to be in the mix, Siri. I really, really do. I don't know how. Tell us about this photo. Yes, so to describe the photo, this was LA Pride weekend of 2019. And I am standing in front of a rainbow speckled, like a BW bug, wearing a shredded up pink, hot pink tank top from Come Get Them Shorts. And it was a pillow, pink parasol, and it was like a rainbow neckerchief. So yeah, I, re- I remember this, 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 it was a Sunday. So yeah, that's the description. Now what? Yeah, so context about the photo that we wouldn't know just by looking at it. Sure. So this year, the, the year this photo was taken, I actually coordinated a, a parade contingent of about 150 community members called Stronger Together. And after this photo, I put on a t-shirt. We had matching t-shirts that fit Stronger Together. And it was an alliance of community members, not all folks who identified as LGBT, but very specifically around Black unity and building spaces how, of how we can show up together and all of our different expressions. And so that Stronger Together contingent, we had as a part of it, a drill team. So they were out there, you know, which is part of my roots. So we had yeah. the drum and the eight counts and such. We had a flag core where folks were doing, you know, the flag with two. And just, you know, just this celebration of Blackness in a way in which the L.A. Pride Parade had not seen. But it was a beautiful just chance to sort of come together as Black community in a way that really has shown itself as exceptionally necessary. And this was in 2019. It's just a reminder that we do still have more work to do on building unity. For sure. Yeah. Such a beautiful story. Also, a fire photo. I feel like this needs to be in a magazine. <laughs> and really quick, I'm just going to show you the other ones. The multifaceted, uh, multifaceted, <laughs> right? Like the yes. professional and then the model picture. Yes. I'm just like, these are fire. Oh, these Come are great. On. And these are all such different chapters that, you know, yes. just briefly that one with the, the middle, yeah. the, the blazer and the plaid pants. This was in the shadow of the All Black Lives Matter March in Los Angeles of 2020. And folks might not know I was the lead organizer of that march. And we saw estimates of are at between 30 and 40,000 demonstrators. And it was the same principle there, inviting all of us to show up to celebrate all Black lives, recognizing specifically that not only LGBT people, but we were seeing disproportionate impacts among women and seniors and youth. But the common thread that brought us together was uplifting the needs of the Black community. So this was certainly also a very pivotal experience for my life. So powerful. Gerald, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for participating in the OU Blatchett segment with us. I love it. This oh, was yeah, fun. That's great. Yeah, I yes. love it. <laughs> We're going to yeah, jump back into some of these, The I want to say the formal interview questions. So I'll pass it back to Dom on this. This was good. Thank you. Yeah, that was fine. Well, speaking of LA Pride, you are the president of Christopher Street West, which is the organization responsible for the LA Pride Parade and Festival. So what was, reflecting back on this past year, what was the highlight for you and what is something that you're looking forward to in 2024? Yes, thank you. Yeah, so LA Pride, I've been with the organization since 2016. This is my first year serving as president and I'm the first Black male male president in the older, this is 53 years of history. So wow. That was, wow. Yeah, thank you. That's a, that's a big deal. It that is, is a big deal. Certainly a big deal. And so certainly I'm really excited to really 
lead the organization or shape the, the next version of its vision. I highly this year, as folks might remember, we had Megan The Stallion and Mariah Carey as our headliners and very intentional on celebrating Black girl magic and just Black womanhood and the joy in which Black women bring to the world. And so was very intentional on this representation. And even in step with the conversation we had today, this spectrum of how we get to show up in celebration of Black femininity. So the Megan to Mariah spectrum, I feel like nothing encapsulates Baranton and the Boozy more than those two women. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes. That's and a fact. So, yeah, yeah. And so I said, I feel like I fall somewhere in the middle or both back, either or, depending on the day or the hour. So having those two dynamic superstars was such a gift and so, so exciting. And really launching this year, or actually last year, but our first full year of what's called Pride 365, which is programs and activities throughout the entire year and not just the month of June. Again, really centered on elevating opportunities to highlight community, amplify folks doing great work, and then really center calls to action in a way that might get lost in the glitter of June. So to your question about what will be ongoing, Pride 365 will certainly be going on, as well as Pride Makes a Difference, which is also launched under my leadership. Pride Makes a Difference is centered, centered around donation opportunities, volunteer opportunities, ways or highlight community superstars doing this work every day and a way to invite folks to be a part of pride that might be beyond just kind of some of the festivities that we see. But yeah, those are just a couple of things. And yeah, and we're already working on 2024. So we'll certainly stay tuned with all the great announcements that'll be rolling out in the next several months. That is so exciting. And what a smooth transition into, you know, coming from the OU Blatcher segment, talking about the multifaceted. Yeah, that was person. perfect. I'm like, that is, <laughs> and then your cheese headlines. Like, that is so amazing. Right, but I feel like if I could have like a paddle with either of their faces on it, it's like, am I feeling What's the vibe today? What right. we're doing? <laughs> I'm so intrigued, Gerald, by the, the, the quote that you shared about your grandmother. And I wanted to ask you about just a time in your life where you maybe felt conflicted about the various parts of yourself being sure. within one person. I know I was raised in church and Dom and I have talked about this on the podcast. I am going through a phase in life where I'm accepting more of like my ratchet side more mm-hmm. and I'm showcasing it more. And it was always there, like ever since I was younger, but I just didn't feel comfortable. I felt like I would be judged or I just was trying to figure out who I was. But you today, successful accomplished, you know, appear to be so confident. Can you tell us about a time when you felt conflicted between the parts of yourself and what advice would you give someone who is struggling to remember who they are and show up in that way? I love that. That's that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing it. Absolutely. You know, even kind of going back to a previous question, the invitation in the folks around my own journey, because it was quite the process to sort of become. I certainly, you know, I mentioned my faith background, but was raised very religious, staunchly religious, you know, I mean, to the degree, you know, men couldn't wear shorts and shirts and we couldn't watch TV. It was like, it was just very. And so that was this, what I say as part of my journey was reimagining my relationship with God. And so a lot of that was part of my process on how do I learn God and my relationship with God outside of the God my, you know, society gave me. And so having, again, the courage to step outside of, you know, where folks told me I should not go. Also being a phrase I use often too is giving ourselves grace and space to be human. So much of like what the journey has been for me as it relates to faith has really been like with fear and guilt and shame and all these different levels of sort of what I say weaponizing God. And so kind of leaning into that space of humanity and divinity, kind of bougie and ratchet as you recognize that we're not monolithic in that way. We're both here, we're all of the above. So human and divine. And then recognizing that there will, as a part of our process, is a necessary evolution. An analogy I will give often is around, we think about a butterfly, you know, it has, it goes through these different versions of itself and versions of itself have to disappear or they have to perceivably crumble or grow away. And like honoring that, you know, we might not recognize in the moment, but honoring that's a necessary part of the, of the process. And then again, you know, giving ourselves permission at the same time, you know, when we look at doing anything different, anything, it takes a great deal of grace. And so 
Yeah. So if I had to sort of lift, you know, thoughts to anyone, it would certainly be all of those. But then also recognize that we are the experts of our own experience and nobody can prescribe your journey. You are the expert. So own it. Oh, that was a word. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. You yes. are the expert of your journey. Oh, yes. Can you pass the offering plate real quick? Can I know, right? <laughs> well, right. A little midday offering. I love that. And so when you think about like what you just said about like you are the author of your own journey, mm-hmm. right? And nobody can can talk about your experience better than you. Nobody understands your experience better than you. Mm-hmm. That applies to not only the individual, but entire communities. Certainly. And so when you think about your journey in various leadership roles where you are like dismantling systems of oppression, right? And focusing on promoting diversity and inclusion and cultural cultural responsiveness. What are some of the challenges that you've encountered and how do you approach those challenges with the grace and compassion that you mentioned before? That's a great question. And and thank you for that. I have noted that so much of my journey, specifically in this last chapter, has really been around addressing systems. And, you know, I will often like, I guess, laugh. It's like, I never signed up for it. And it was like, I'm going to be the one turn the, turn the tide here. And so that is also for, for viewers and listeners, knowing that, you know, it, it, it's bigger than you. And so my mother tells me this all the time and has told me for, for years too, is we don't know whose destiny is connected to ours. And so the whole dynamic of us saying yes, even in the shadow of fear, is bigger than us. And so that's often a reminder. But to your question, I often will address it as, I guess you could say, a, you know, a two-lane highway or two-edged sword in that way of knowing that many times our approaches are both and or all of the above. And so my entree into a kind of social justice and activism really began kind of in the lane of elevating, empowering, and celebrating community. And so, you know, a role that I had before moving into a model, I was with the, the Black AIDS Institute and sort of oversaw national programs for specific communities, you know, really centering the experiences of those communities. Many communities I did not myself represent, you know, so I oversaw our youth programs and women's programs and formerly incarcerated programs. And I am neither of those, none of the above, but recognize that there is an opportunity for us to show up in the work that again, centers authentically the individuals who are the experts of those experience, experiences and how we can bring what we bring to the work. My thought of that two-lane highway was the empowering of the people piece, but then also the dismantling of the system piece. And many times we are either in either or of those lanes, some of us are in both, and sort of recognizing what is my contribution to the movement? You know, you great ladies are doing work to empower, uplift, celebrate. That is the work. You know, you might not be the one picketing or, you know, bandaging wounds, but you're in the work. So I always encourage people to recognize and identify what your role in the work is and get excited about it and own it. Oftentimes folks will sort of, you know, speak down to their contribution. It's not this, or I'm not doing this, but what are you doing? And how are you committed to it? And it's a necessary component. You know, we as Black folks, we Talk about a, you know, holiday dinner or a barbecue or something. It's like, well, you bring in the potato salad, you bring in the rolls, you bring in the peach cobbler. It's like, we need what you bring. Don't just say, oh, Tara bring a peach cobbler. I'm bringing peach cobbler too. No, we need you to bring what you bring. And so even when it comes to the movement work, we need you to bring what you bring. Boldly and excitedly so. Hey, girl. Hey, we hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as we are. But let's be real. It costs money to podcast and we got bills to pay. So enjoy this commercial break as you process what we've been talking about. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you're also supporting us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I've had many moments in life where I was at a crossroads and didn't know what path to take. I remember when I was contemplating which grad school to attend and which city I wanted to move to for my first job. I also remember being overwhelmed by life and struggling with depression and anxiety. 
And these critical moments, I turned to therapy as a resource and outlet for me. And it was extremely helpful to learn more about positive coping skills and get the encouragement I needed to be the best version of myself. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. I've used BetterHelp myself and also recommended it to family and friends. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, which is why I highly recommend it. All you have to do is complete a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash cultivating today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash cultivating. Lady, picture this. You are hanging out in your favorite spot in your house. Your headphones are on and the world around you fades away. When listening to Dipsy stories, you're immersed in a vivid world where every touch, every breath, every stolen glance is felt with breathtaking intensity. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and high and heavy hookups. Radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with your partner. For Cultivating Her Space podcast listeners, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash herspace. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsestories.com dot com slash her space lady you literally have nothing to lose try it out see if it's a good fit for you dipsystories.com slash her space cultivating her space has a passion for helping women feel safe and accepted and here at mclaurin mental wellness i have a passion for helping women cultivate a life with less anxiety fear and worry Hi, I'm LaShonda McLaurin, the founder of McLaurin Mental Wellness, the premier in anxiety counseling, coaching, and courses for women. McLaurin Mental Wellness has helped hundreds of women change their lives, and now we want to help you through individual therapy and group coaching. We're currently accepting new clients for individual therapy. You can book a free 15-minute consultation to get started. And, backed by popular demand, is the Anxiety Management Group for Women. This eight-week anxiety management group discusses a variety of topics related to anxiety and teaches you how to manage it in your daily life. The next group begins on September 5th and sign up is currently open. All of the services are led by me, LaShonda McLaurin, a licensed therapist and anxiety specialist who has been providing therapy for over 10 years and has a passion for serving women. To learn more, visit McLaurinMentalWellness.com. Let's get back into it. That is so powerful because every role really does matter. And I feel like sometimes people miss that. Like when you think about an organization, everyone from the custodial staff to the CEO, everyone is important. And we all support one another when we show up as our best selves to do our thing, right? That's so powerful. The analogy I would give was was often as like a a conductor. I mentioned I was a violinist for years. And anybody who knows a band or an orchestra, even a choir, there are very specific roles and a number of voices or instruments Mm -hmm. and such. And you can't abandon your part there because, oh, I hadn't, I hadn't played in eight measures. I hadn't played in two pages. You know, we need you. You keep waiting or you keep doing what you do. And also kind of in that same analogy as part of the work, many times the assessment is, okay, this group needs more rehearsal. Okay, we need fewer of these. Okay, we're striking this all together. And so when we look at the difficult conversations, looking at it through the lens of how is this serving the greater good? How is this serving the movement? And then I would say a preface to that, ensuring that we are uh, having a shared mission because the work can't move if we're not on the same page. 
There you go. There you go. So powerful. And that comes, makes me think about the choir. If you're trying to sing in this key and this and my, it's like, we got to do it together. So and I, we know that. We know that good old choir experience. Come you're on. not blending. You're too loud in my exactly. ears. Like, all exactly. <laughs> too loud in my ear. Too loud in my you ear. Are right. You all come on. Right. You're trying to showcase. This is not what we're giving. Exactly. It's not a gift. It's not. So, Gerald, what is the most fulfilling moment or achievement in your career so far and why? Gosh, you know, and this is a call for myself around just aiming to be more graciously present. I know so many of us were like, go away and doing the thing and move to the next one and not taking time to like, and just breathe and celebrate and just take it all in. So that's certainly uh, an assignment for myself in this season. But to your question, gosh, I would probably say, hmm, I had messed up the whole show. Now I'm really affected. Hey, what is one? So yeah, I would probably say, you know, I've been increasingly visible in this season, you know, just between all the, all the movement and such and like people, you know, they just can see you. And so that means increased access to. And so I have had multiple people, multiple people reach out and say, thank you. Thank you for just showing up and doing what you do. You've given me encouragement and it might not be today or tomorrow, but I feel like I can show up at some point. And so like just recognizing that there is power in not only visibility, but representation also. And I actually had a, a young person who was a middle school age, young black student, young black man, and he reached out and he was saying, well, I want to do more. I know that black boys and men have more work to do. And he was, you know, not, LGBT at all. He was just saying like, I want to do more for the community, but it's scary. And so the whole idea is him feeling empowered to sort of be courageous in that way. And let me know too, it's like, well, we may not have all the answers all the time, but we do have something to offer. Yeah. So that wasn't oh. quite an isolated experience, but that kind of heartbeat of the work keeps me, keeps me going. That's important. That yeah. heartbeat is, yeah. we need the heartbeat. Mm -hmm. When the heartbeat stops, <laughs> you're done. But you're done. <laughs> right. That's a wrap. It's a That's wrap. A wrap. <laughs> so we need those moments. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. as you are doing this work, right, you're showing up and advocating for so many people. That is a lot of emotional labor. Yes, indeed. How do you take care of your mental health? How do you prioritize self-care, your emotional well-being while showing up and advocating for others? That is such a great question, Doc. And that's what I have also been moving closer to the top of my list. The analogy, and I don't know what to cite it to, the, my grandparents, the Louisiana web, but y'all see, I love an analogy. But the analogy that came to me or it was given to me was like weightlifting. And, you know, when we lift weight, you know, you know, at the gym, kind of part of your regimen, there's a certain recovery regimen that comes. Maybe you skip a day, you take a, I don't know, hot shower, you kind of stretch. But then when you're a power lifter, different kind of recovery regimen, you know, you take some, Days, or you got to team or, you know, rubber your body or you're kind of going to ice bath. So saying that to say in this season, I have gone from like standard lifting to power lifting. And so now I'm really relearning or learning in this season. What does recovery look like for me? So self-care in my previous chapters. Responding to me well. So to your question, I am still rewriting my newest version of my self-care. But with that, I certainly, you know, mentioned, you know, my, my faith experience. I am really big on going within, really sort of silencing the noise. I'm been, I've been a journaler since I can remember. And so I'm still a major journaler. I have been really intent on, as a part of myself here, limiting what access to me looks like. And so the whole idea, you don't get to just pop up. You don't get to just call me. You call me, I might not answer. You don't get to just expect me at things. And that goes throughout every level of relationship, you know, as a part of my care and as a part of boundaries that, you know, preserve me. 
I realized too, you know, I just turned 40 this year. And so, yes, thank you. And so like I am, I very much a social being. I love like being social, but it's translating a lot differently now. <laughs> and so like learning, you know, what ratchet means at 40 means a lot different than what it did at 30. <laughs> still ratchet. <laughs> and so like, still also, but like an elevated kind of ratchet, very much like some kind of ratchet, but still giving myself that. Yeah. And just giving myself what I need when I, and the exercise that I do is, I don't think it, it doesn't have an official name, but I just sort of say, I check in with seven-year-old Gerald, seven-year-old self, and ask myself, what do you need? What does seven-year-old Gerald need? And anybody who had children in their life, children are very, they don't miss words, they're very unapologetic. And oftentimes what we need at the sort of most poor level of ourselves are very simple. You ask a seven-year-old, they say, I'm sleeping. I'm hungry. I don't like her. I've used the bathroom. Like, it's very simple. It's just simple. But, but as adults, we were like abandoned and those very poor, poor parts of what we need. So I, as a first round, I check in. What's going on here? Through my seven-year-old lens. And that serves me also. Oh, that Love was so, that. right. That was so beautiful. I'm just taking you both. In. Yes. Yes. I love that you pointed out that self-care looks different at different stages because that's so true. What worked maybe a few years ago when you were in a different phase might not necessarily work. And I love that, again, your vulnerability and transparency about I'm rewriting what that looks like at this stage in my life, which is okay. So I appreciate you saying that. And it's funny that you brought up seven-year-old Gerald because I'm so curious to know what would your younger self, what would seven-year-old Gerald or 12-year-old Gerald say to the Gerald today based on what you've done and where you are? And I get the sense that even though you've done so much, you're still just getting started. That's what right. I sense from you. I received that, yes. Yes, we're yeah. always progressive and trying to figure out what's next. But what would that younger Gerald say to Gerald today? That's so beautiful. And thank you for that, Terry and Doc. It's so interesting. I mentioned I turned 40 this year. But for my 40th birthday, I wrote a, a film, wrote and executive produced a film based on my life. And the story, the name of the film is Sunrise, Sunshine, S-O-U, Sunrise, Sunshine. Love Thank you. And it really sort of follows kind of my life. And it began, I really was thinking I was going to do some version of a documentary of sorts, just kind of capturing a few elements of my life, you know, in the last decade or so. And working with documentarian slash director, she really implored me to like, we, we know this version of you. We can Google that stuff. Who are you before this? And that was really sort of my kind of invitation into like pulling in those versions of, of life. And so how the story kind of unfolded was it began with six-year-old Gerald and, you know, kind of the life experiences that were showing themselves at these different versions and sort of this young man, this boy meet the 12-year-old, and then that, you know, the two of them meet oh, 6, 13, 19. And so, like, they're going on this journey, sort of looking for something. I kind of like it, and now that I've written it, it makes it like a very kind of a Wizard of Oz type of story, where the folks are really looking for something individually, yet collectively. And so these boys and these young, you know, just this, these young folks on this journey, they don't know what they're looking for, but they know it's something, and they know they're they can find it together. And what they find is 40-year-old Gerald. And what they've been looking for the whole time is me. And so it's this journey of just Black boyhood, manhood, in a way that really sort of invites other folks in as well. And so to your question, what would what do I feel seven-year-old Gerald would tell current version of me? I feel he would say, thank you for not giving up. That is so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I, oh, I'm just sitting here and I'm just, oh, oh, tissue, oh, I'm wow. just in, oh, this is just so, this is just so wonderful. Thank you both. So yeah. I know that our listeners are listening to you and, and they heard how you beautifully described this film. Where can we find it? Because I'm yes. like, I was sitting there like, wait, I want to watch this it. today. <laughs> like, I need to, I need to sit down and watch this too. Day. Yes. Well, I'm so excited. Thank you both. Thank you for just holding space and sharing space with me also. 
But yes, the film will actually be moving live on the film festival circuit, which I've never done. So this is our oh, whole new life. Great. Yes. So I'm very humbled and excited. And I'll be doing a couple, a number of actually screenings across the country. You better go ahead oh. with your bad self. Yes. Daryl, can you yes. please keep us posted or have I your people contact will. our people? Because we want to be there. Yes. yes. And then also yes. to kind of, as a part of that journey, it'll be like available for like, you know, consumption. But yeah, yes. just really, really grateful. And just so many elements of the, of the story. I just think, again, just invite folks in. You know, I think so much of what yes. my journey has been, even like I mentioned today, has really been moving so quickly, oftentimes in the shadow of survival. Mm. And so in this season, mm. even to your question, Dr. Dowell, part of my self-care in this season has really been elevating safety mm. and knowing that oh. I am safe. Yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. Okay, we just have a couple more questions for you, Jared, <laughs> yeah, no, just, yeah. You just dropped us so many gems. I appreciate so, you both. We appreciate you as well. And thinking of all of the people that look up to you as a leader and a role model for advocacy, how do you manage the expectations of others while staying true to your own well-being and needs? And you kind of talked a little bit about that today, about boundaries, but like, how do you do that in real life, you know? Yes. That's so good. They're kind of pulling from the last question too. (laughs) (laughs) But no, one thing has really served me and I'm so grateful too, just as a kind of guiding principle is one, being able to say no, being able to say, I don't know, and being able to say, wait. And so, so much of like when, you know, uh, gratefully, so I'm able to kind of do so many things. And a great deal of that is kind of hinged upon one of those three. You know, it's like, I can can do it, but it won't be until next month. You can either wait or not. That's it. Okay. (laughs) I'm not, I can't do it now. The younger version of me, you know, oh, I can move some things around. I can stay up overnight. Oh, I'll catch up on sick the weekend. That does not serve me. It might serve Especially not people, at 40. Not mm-hmm. at 40. It sure won't. And the way recovery looks now, it's like, look, I do better with a good night's sleep. So you just, you were going to be rested. Facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then also really just building a strong team, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, that's a whole other kind of conversation in the sense of recognizing that. You know, my grandfather would say, you know, every time the bus stops, some folks get on, some folks get off. But recognizing that just because folks have come with you all this way doesn't mean those will be the same folks, not in the same capacity, at least, to take you to the next level. And just knowing that, you know, you're still my good friend, you're still my sister, you're still my, you know, my brother. But like, I need a real accountant to keep my books now. Yeah. Or I need a real publicist to manage my media now. And, you know, and being able, of course, gratefully so with tact and grace and humility, but knowing like in order for this to go where I feel God is designed to go, I need to be a good steward of it. And then ensuring that the right people are around um, to help me move it forward. So having that strong team, saying no, same way, or saying not me. I'm really big in recognizing more so in this season, everything I can do doesn't mean I should do. Yeah. Everything I used to do, I mean, I will do going forward. So, you know, that's certainly kind of part of that butterfly cocoon breaking off. It's like, well, you're something different now. I am, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're brand new now. I am, actually. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I am. (laughs) Right. Rip me out the plastic. Okay, let me stop. stop. (laughs) Everything will be a good spectrum, right? I love it, right? Yes. (laughs) And so... Okay, so I keep, I, I just want to ask more and more questions, but. Really? So, like your grandfather so wisely pointed out, everybody is not going to be on that bus ride with you, yeah. right? Everybody's not going to make it. How do you go about, one, having the conversation with the people who aren't going to make it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then two, well, first, I, let me back up. First, determining who's not going to make it and why. And then how do you have that conversation to let them know this your stop? You got to get off now. I ain't like, oh, somebody getting off. It's you. It's you. <laughs> it's you. I don't know why you're still sitting here. It's you. That's, no, that's, that's, a, that's a great, great question, Dr. Dom. So for one, 
I think it goes back to a point we shared already is telling ourselves the truth first. You know, I can speak for myself, how I've held space and even often created sustainable space for folks knowing that they are not designed for the next chapter. And so like recognizing and doing kind of the emotional work of, of that. One thing that I will say too is that, you know, using the same analogy, it might not necessarily be they getting off the bus. They might just be shifting seats. So they might not Ooh. be VIP anymore. They might not have that direct access or they might shift from, I mean, the phrase I would use like tears. You know, they're not longer tier one. You can't just pop up. You can't just kick it with me. Like, you know, you know, we're cordial. We're associates. We're colleagues. We're, you know, acquaintances, all those different things, versions of we're connected, but that connection just looks different. So knowing like some folks just might get refiled. And being okay with that, you know, I know that it's so necessary. It's kind of even in the same space is that we often have to make room. And so it's just like part of that exercise too is like, well, I don't know who yet. I just know it's not you. <laughs> uh, of course, you know, leading with grace and tact, I will say often that confrontation doesn't have to equal conflict. And so just because you're able, you know, having a dialogue with someone, it doesn't have to be hostile or attacking and, you know, all those things. And so I think that's really necessary. And then just, again, you know, we've said this a few times already, telling yourself the, yourself the truth. Like, does this person, are they refileable? Or has this gone as far as it can go? One thing I've said too, just because of all these different versions of my life, have recognized that some, with some people in my life, all we have in common now are memories. Am I okay with that? Oh, oh damn, oh. that was like a punch in the gut. Did you see? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, 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 think, think, I, to me, like, ooh, I think I, I need so I need you to say that one more time for the folks in the back because I need them to catch that. Yes, okay. indeed. Yes, when we really assess people's roles in our lives, we might have to understand that all we have in common with some are memories. There's mm-hmm. nothing that looks forward with this relationship. Mm. And is that okay? And, yeah. And telling yourself that, is that okay? If not, then to your question, Dr. Dom, that positions you for that next conversation. That's good. I, y'all feel a part two coming up <laughs> about another, we're going to have to have another end because th- this conversation I'm is good. Right. I'm all for we, it. We're going to have to, we're going to, especially when the movie comes out, we'll have to coordinate. Oh, yes, yes. Y'all, you will, hey. you be my personal VIP guest, though. Yes. And, and, and that's on the record, listeners. So yes. y'all hold me to it. <laughs> we will. We will. Our listeners will hold you to it. Like, right. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> so, Gerald, when you think about, you know, we talk a lot about legacy on the podcast and how we want to be remembered and talk about just how life is so precious. When you think about your legacy, when you think about how you want to be remembered, like, what does that look like? How do you want people to remember the interactions they've had with you or just the work that you've done in the world? That's, that's beautiful. And interestingly, so, so much of what has been guiding me, I dare say in this most recent season has been legacy, you know, recognizing too that so much of what I aspired to do and to be live beyond me in this physical body. And then also even me standing on the shoulders of so many great women and men, knowing that there is something that is bigger than a, a fleshly body. And so, so much of what allowed me to show up courageously and vulnerably and authentically is knowing that it is bigger than me. And so, you know, to your question, my legacy, I would dare say is folks being empowered to lead and live with love in a way that serves them and everyone they're connected to. And that is an adoptable mission, be it medium, policy, custodian, mother, parent. There's an opportunity for us to all tap into that in a way that serves us. And so that means a lot to me. And then, you know, just again, being able to release sort of the notion that it will only happen, you know, with me being here mm-hmm. on earth. Like I think giving ourselves that grace mission even to know that the things that I'm doing now will live beyond me. And I might not even see them come to fruition on earth, but knowing that I did my part. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that was so beautiful. This conversation was so amazing. Yes. We you appreciate both. you, yeah. Gerald. We appreciate what you represent, what you do in the world, what you stand for. And we hope this will not be the last conversation that we have with you. We would love yes. to 
continue the connection here. And Gerald, we would love for you to just share with our listeners, where can they find you? Where can they support? Is there a next step that you like them to take with you on your journey? Please feel free to let them know. Certainly. And again, just thank you so much, Terry, Dr. Dom. This is so great. I actually look forward in advance to my next invitation and viewers and listeners, thank you as well. And so, yes, kind of the pull from what you were saying, Terry, I feel like I am realistically just getting started. So that is really exciting. I'll certainly make sure folks know about Sunrise, Sunrise, Sunshine, Next Steps as well. And just invite folks to connect and follow me on social, all things Garth.Gerald. G-A-R-T-H-D-O-T-G-E-R-A-L-D. I do have a website that I'm committed to activating a lot more robustly. And so that website is Eurogarth.com. And and folks can reach out and I look forward to ways in which we can continue this work together. Yay, thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note, that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me, I am worthy of a happy life.